What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Tyrone Reed. What's going on, Ty? All good, thank you. All good. Uh, living life, as they say. How about awesome. yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks, bro. I'm looking forward to this one. I mean, we've been talking on and off for a little while now. Um, got to know you a little bit, and I think it'd be, it'd be a good I guess, the great opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about you and maybe pick out some insights from you. So um, let's get straight to it, Ty, before we dive into the real heart, heart of it. Who is Tyrone Reed and what does he do? Um, I, hello to everyone listening out there. Thank you for tuning in. So, yes, I am Tyrone, as Coach has introduced. Who am I? I, mean, I knew this would be the first question, so this is what I've been thinking for, throughout the day. I don't necessarily have one direct answer, but I'm an individual working through life, trying to enjoy what I do uh, personally, professionally, uh, and, you know, enjoy enjoy my time, enjoy the people I'm with. And yeah, yeah, be a success, you know, wake up in the morning and be striving to do something. When I go put my head on the pillow at night, I want to enjoy what I've done and be looking forward to what's next. So that's what I'm working towards in life and in my, in a, Professionally and personally. Awesome, awesome. So what do you do then, Ty? So what do I do? So I've I've actually got a few roles. So my main role at the moment is I work at the Chelsea FC Foundation, I work in the education team. So that involves, in a nutshell, working with schools in particular particular areas, sort of around the Stamford Bridge area, delivering a primary school project. So it's a little bit of PSHE, well, it's a lot of PSHE, a little bit of English, a little bit of maths, and then one of the main roles of that is supporting teachers with delivery of practical activities. So mainly helping teachers deliver PE lessons, whether they're new teachers or teachers haven't taught PE for a while, or some that just, you know, feel they need a little bit of extra training because they've never had that. Outside of that, a little bit more going on. So I'm currently a foundation phase coach at Sutton United. Uh, in my second season there, I'm FA UAFC co- uh, coach developer. And I also work on the FA female talent pathway for London and the South East. 
Amazing, amazing. There's quite a few different ways in which we can take this. So, Ty, I'm going to start right at the top of it and say, what brought you into this world of coach? You know, dominantly a coach, but obviously <laughs> an educator within that, probably a mentor within that. Um, there's talent ID elements to that, and there's obviously coach development. So, you know, where did that journey begin? What, what was the first kind of steps into that? Very specifically, I began my coaching journey officially well, way back when I'm showing my age now so 2004 so before that you know is there <laughs> anyone a lot of people I presume on here playing football as a kid and you work your way up I don't think I ever had aspirational dreams to be a professional I enjoy playing and obviously that I know that would have been great but I don't necessarily think that I was always thinking oh I want to be a professional footballer I want to be I enjoy playing I enjoy beer I don't know particularly why, maybe because I maybe didn't, didn't necessarily have the talent, but I enjoy football. I think part of it was maybe not having a, a lot of role models in football or even in my family that were into football. So that's probably where that's come from. But again, you know, you'd be with your mates, you enjoy it through school, um, college, whatnot, began working, doing, you know, a nine-to-five job, and then we had sort of Sunday league team with my mates. And then kind of set it up with a couple of others. One of the dads used to take it. So this was probably around sort of 18 to 21 age. And then the, the dads that were doing it kind of just had to step away for work commitments. And I kind of kind of led the team from there on for about six months. I was always someone that was a kind of organised and leading and getting people together. And I remember I did actually look up the coaching pathway once originally, but being new to the environment, I didn't even know where to look. And I remember just finding courses that but being sort of South London based through my lack of knowledge of where to look at the time, I was just finding courses up north. So I kind of just pushed it to the side. I don't know, maybe it was a year later, I thought, right, let me look into it a little bit more. Then found something in and around London, did my level one and kind of went from there, really. Yeah, so I'm smiling because um, in a roundabout way, it's like a lot of people. It was never planned. <laughs> it was never planned, right? So I guess my question to you, knowing that it wasn't planned, what kept you hooked in? You know, it was the love of work. I think the love of working with people and helping people get better. You know, that that infusion I had, sharing that with other people, and I, I presume part of it is getting their enthusiasm back and, you know, being part of a team, whether you're the manager or the player or one of the coaches, it's people working together to achieve something. So that was it. I remember level one, very different to how they do it these days, but I just enjoyed it. And when they kind of show you a little bit, you think, oh, okay, I can have a go at that. So, you know, did did the course. I remember back then, it was a, remember it was three Saturdays doing practicals and then two evening classes, which was a child protection and safe, uh, uh, safeguarding. And then away I went. So then started doing coaching in and around the area. But yeah, it was just just that enjoyment of, oh, that's quite fun. You can, you know, you can have some fun with this and just go out and do it. Again, I was alongside working um nine to five. So just on that, would you would you consider yourself a career coach now? Pardon, can you that? Sorry. Would you consider yourself a career coach now? What do you mean by career coach? So someone who's um I guess someone whose vocation in their day-to-day is coaching. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I guess so, most definitely. 
I think, as you said earlier, not necessarily something I was planned, something I've say fallen into, I was guided into, mm. but most definitely, yeah, I guess I will be a career coach. I've been doing it for just coming up to 20 years now. So <laughs> in any span, that's a good, even if I was to stop, which I've got no plans to, doing something for 20 years could be considered a career in it, but hopefully, no, I've definitely got a few more years to go. So I'll, I'll keep progressing and finding avenues and routes to keep enjoying it and keep it selling and keep working with others and developing players. And people. 100%. And obviously, you know, you've, you've really started to kind of delve into some of those things already, right? Like you've talked about coach development, um, even 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 to some extent, obviously, scouting, talent ID. So, you know, let, let's let's talk about it. You know, let's go back to your level one, you know, because I think in you know, the way in which you describe it is very similar to what I did when I was my level one, um, probably a few years later. But I just remember, yeah, three Saturdays, that's what it was, right? <laughs> three Saturdays. Um, so I'm just thinking now, like, you know, How's your perception of coaching changed from what it was back then? In fact, what was it back then? I can't remember what I, what I thought it would be back then. I guess it's it's kind of guiding it's guiding others in the right way. Has my perception of it changed? Well, from what I've just said, I don't think so. You're still guiding people in some way. I just, I guess, I learned the nuances of it. And I guess, I think your personality got to fit it somewhat. Or you hope your personality fits in. There's no one, obviously, no one personality. But it's something I've just enjoyed. I think along the way, not just my level one, I'm thinking of the majority of my courses, one, two, three, four. I've actually think I've had really inspiring tutors as well. Mm. And it was once I once I got the bug, I mean, I threw myself in four and then you realise, yeah, this is good, this is what I want to do. But you're thinking, I don't actually know much about it, but I, I just invested in myself. I mean, going back to those level one days, I did it with the London FA, and I remember they had a coaches association, and then I joined that straight away. I thought that's going to give me some more um, resources and, you know, sessions and be able to learn and see more professionals. I remember they used to run a monthly session at, at Highbury, so again, showing my age back at Highbury, in an indoor facility at Highbury, but they used to have, you know, top pros coming and delivering sessions. I was, I was just there with my notepad, literally. I, think, I remember it was a, it was a Monday night, so I used to finish my job in the city, jump on the tube up to Highbreed, and I just, just loved it. And then once, you know, you got out coaching with a team or, you know, <laughs> excuse me, might be just a Saturday morning kids club. It was just, yeah, it was just, just you know, picked up the baton and ran with it. Mm, mm. So, you know, as you saw, you said level one, 2004. How has your journey progressed since then in terms of, in terms of that, you know, the whole coaching qualification pathway if you like you know what what's what's that journey look like for you because i think you know especially and we'll, we'll talk more about the coach development and talent ID stuff as, as we go through the conversation i'm sure but certainly from my perspective um and i'm sure this has always been the case but it's probably more probably more i guess noticeable for me now that i am working predominantly working in coach development is the amount of people that just want to jump from qualification to qualification to qualification just because they just think that's 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 what it should be or that's what it needs to look like does mm. that make sense there's a there seems to be a rush you know what, what was that like for you and what are your thoughts on on that so to begin with so my pathway so i did my level one and it was probably about i'd say a year later maybe a year to 18 months later i did my level two but in that time like i say once you know, completely level one and joined the London FA. I was I was quite fortunate. I got some coaching gigs quite soon, and a lot of it was voluntary. Well, probably actually, I think most of it was voluntary. But again, 
because I was just doing nine to five, I had my evenings free, I had my weekends free, so I just threw myself into doing my training. I got in, I got a team quite quickly. So once I got into a team, I thought, no, I need a little bit more, you know, to work with. Fortunately, I had a, a real, real good coach that was, I was, so I was coaching a reserve team. So I had first team coach was real good, um, very experienced. Well, he actually probably wasn't, he was a young man, but he was experienced, but then he helped me, right? And again, suddenly I did my level two, went and studied, did the work, and I was just, just enjoying it. Again, it was just the baton and I was running with it. So it's probably about two years later, I completed that. And that was really good. And, then, and I was able to take stuff. <laughs> I was buying the books, I was buying the DVDs. And I was I was just learning, I was just taking it all in. And about when I completed my level two, I remember that, that coach, um, he said to me, you should think about going to America. And he goes, coaching, you coach most of the day. He goes, you coach a few hours a day, but you'll be doing it every day. You see if you really like it, and I think he said it was an off the cuff mark. And I actually thought, okay, yeah, I could do that. Why not? I had no, you know, real commitments at that time. And I thought, hmm. so I remember I, look, I remember looked into it, and then it happened. And then I got an opportunity, so I went to the states. And then, you know, after being there a little, a little short while, I thought, no, this is what I want to do. I did a nine month stint there, came back and did a, about was about four or five months at home. Went back for another another four or five months, and I only I was going to do another night month because I generally did nine month contracts. But I came back early, and that was to do which the UEFA UEFA B. So that would be that was around two thousand and nine. Yes, yeah, so I came back and started that in the summer of two thousand and nine. So it kind of just excelled excelled from there really. But the American experience was a brilliant one. Like I say, coaching every day various different age groups various different qualities and the real yeah yeah the, the bug just kept going and you just want to do more and more and then as you meet other coaches you learn bits and pieces and you got a whole new network of people you're in contact with and trying to learn off and get yourself better and you know see what it takes to get always you know okay so i've done x y and z what's the next level of coaching for me but again like i said i've coached anyone that would take me i was coaching out there i was you know putting my hours in kind of thing and Again, I can think back to there was some lots of car crashes along the way, but actually, no, that was part of the learning. Mm, yeah. So I, I think it was a second part to your question, but that was kind of my journey yeah. up until my UEFA C anyway. So let's let's explore. I'll come back to the question in a second, but um, something key that you just said that you know you were coaching everywhere in any way you could get it, essentially, right? Mm. <clears throat> what did that do for you? Because obviously, you know, being a coach. Especially, especially nowadays, you know, there's, there's, there's a few people where quite a lot of people that I come across, they, you know, they, they feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I've got my level one, so I mean, I've got to get paid. Yeah, but that's just not how it works. It's not, it's just simply not enough roles for people to get paid, even in grassroots football like that. Even outside of grassroots, there's a lot of bloody volunteers, right? Mm. Um, and that's putting in your graft. And I think um, certainly, you know, maybe you, you, maybe a couple of years older than me, but. I think we've gone through a similar experience in terms of understanding that graft and kind of what that looks like on a, you know when we first embark on this journey in coaching um outside of the experiences that you had let's 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 start off with the qualifications in particular so if you've done your level one you went to your level two and then you wait for b what what, what did what did that do for you what did you what did what were the key things you took away from those courses and i.e your level two and you wait for b and um I'd be interested to know as well 
what was the perception of what UEFA B meant when you when you embarked on it back then? Start on that. So when I I know obviously the coaching coaching field, the vocation is getting bigger and bigger. So back then when I applied, you you could apply, and I believe that you know there was enough places you you went on the course. Now I, I remember specifically there was about thirty people on my course. But when it came to final assessment, I remember I, I, I understand me. I, I was don't, didn't think I was ready, so I said, "Look, I'd rather postpone. I don't want to rush it because I don't. I, I didn't want to have to. I didn't want to fail when I was in a position to pass and then have to pay for a retake." So I said, "I'm not ready. I'm happy to just defer for a little bit longer." Um, so but yeah, but I remember when the finals came, a lot of people. I say we started with about thirty. I reckon probably fifteen people took it, and I know a few people then came back later and did it. And I'm. Don't, some people, I, I don't know what they did, but I know some people just didn't even, I don't even think, did all the days they were supposed to do. So, you know, whether they came back to it, I, I can't speak, but I was in no rush. But then when I did, eventually, when I felt I was eventually ready, I remember it took a, a time to then get on a course and final final assessment. But again, I didn't necessarily, I got, I remember getting a little bit frustrated, but I was actually getting hours on the grass and I was getting my practice in. I thought I need, at least need the critique from um, the FA that I'm along the right lines. You know, I don't want to be, yes, I'm out on the grass, but I don't want to be going the wrong way so to speak but it's a learning curve but I do think in those days it was a bit more this is how you coach <laughs> you know you have to you do it this way uh a little bit more command from the tutors what, what are your thoughts on that command sorry what are, you thought, what are your thoughts on that because I think you know it's a, again it's a topic of conversation I've had with a lot of people recently around what does coaching look like what should coaching look like um and I think some of the challenges that, you know, that I've identified within where we're at today as a, as a generation of coaches is coaching can look so different and, and, and rightly so. It, it, it should look different for everyone. But I do think one of the things that we lack is an agreement on just actually some things are just coaching. Some things mm. are not really coaching, if that makes sense. I don't know if, you, if, that, if that makes sense. With my coach developer hat on, I do feel, and again, I haven't been a coach developer for a long time, but I do feel previously, like when you had your assessment, it was a bit of a checklist. And I still think there's no reason not to have a checklist. You but know, there's you, certain you things not, that... Do you not think it's still that way, though? Do you not think there is still a checklist? We're just checking different things, maybe. Potentially, but I, I think there should be some non-negotiables, if, if I'm honest. <laughs> so, and some of that is just... could. Some might describe as common sense, but you know that common sense is different things to different people. But I do think there's got almost should be more of a checklist. I'm not saying you have to get every tick on that list to be perfect, but you need to, well to pass the call, so to speak. But you need to show you're ready and you're putting in, you're at least pushing yourself in the right direction. Regardless, yeah, but is that really of, good enough, Ty? Is that really good enough, though, to say that you're pushing yourself in the right direction? What do you mean? So. In fact, I'm going to throw it back, back at you. Give me an Thanks example of what you mean by pushing in the right direction, and, and I'll tell you what I mean. Okay, I guess you're putting on sessions that are developing your players. It's an environment where you're, you know, you're you're actually coaching. I know you can get coaching and facilitating, and I've done a bit of both, and different areas of art require different things. But you're prepared to go in and help a player and give a player, or help a player find a solution, instead of you know do this do that you know because some players might not be doing it because they don't know how to they can't you know 
101 different reasons, but mm. are you actually coaching or are you just giving instruction? So what, what, what I mean is more specifically looking at, you, know, you, you distinguish the difference there between coaching and facilitating, right? Um, <clears throat> I think, yes, have another approach, have, uh, you know, go down the idea of you know, the route down, maybe exploring and guided discovery and all of these other things that you can do as part of a coach, which I think are very valuable. However, part of me can't help but feel, regardless of what you decide to do, you should always be able to say, actually do this. You should be able to. You should be able to, in my opinion. What the coach should be able to say to the player, do this. Not in the not in, not in terms of the action of the, do this, but in more specifically, be able to rely on a bank of knowledge or experience of some sort where they have the capacity to do that if it is required. If that makes sense, I'm not sure I fully understand, but I'm sure there's a rationale behind it. Yeah. So as an example, like I can decide. Do you know what? Yeah, Ty, Ty, we're gonna we're gonna explore this together. But fundamentally, if we, if that breaks down for whatever reason or whatever method I'm trying to get across with you. If that breaks down, I still have at some point that hard up my sleeve to say, actually, Ty, here's exactly what we're going to do. And this is the reason why. OK, yep, I agree. Yeah. There's a reason you've got to do something clear what you want to do. And there's a reason behind it. And you can explain it, whether it is to the players, to the to another coach, to the people that are watching or, you know, your club, your environment. I think it's a, that, that seems fine to me. You... OK. I don't know if I, maybe I've misunderstood a little bit. No, but maybe I've misexplained. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, what, there's two parts, right? If, if I'm going to, I'm going to explain how I've interpreted what you've just said. Okay. Just to see whether we're on the right track. So, my understanding of what you've said is essentially coach how you want to coach. But know why you're doing it that way. Partly, but I go think on. you've got to. If you go from taking what you've learned on the courses, are you are you coaching something? And this might be some of the new the newer thinking. But are you developing the players, or developing a team, or building some kind of structure for your team to go and play? Are you helping them go and play? And again, if you, you might be coaching little ones, it's their first you know, taste of organised football. You know, are you giving them an idea of, you know, the basics of their technique and just you know, giving instruction, giving instruction, but showing, demonstrating, you know, Q&A, as you just mentioned, helping them learn to play the game? Mm. Helping them learn to play the game. It's an interesting one. Just thinking. Helping them learn to play the game. Okay, so let, let's let's go with that then. In order to help someone learn to play the game, I'll, I'll, I'll link into what I was trying to say earlier, and, I, and, I, and maybe trying to explain it in a different way. Helping someone to learn how to play a game, surely you should know. Not, yes, yeah, surely you should know how to play the game. Yes. Not not physically and be able to actually do it practically. But the theory behind it. Yes. 
well enough to be able to say, actually, do you know what, Ty? We're not going to do that right now. I want you to do this. Just yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm suggesting that for me, every coach should be able to do that if they're going to be a coach. I could be wrong. And it's just my opinion, to be honest. What, and so I'm so you know, request something from a player to help the player or help the yeah, because uh, yeah. You, but, but more specifically because you know that that's what's needed. What's needed? Yeah, exactly. Not not because that's the only way it is or whatnot. But there's, you know, coming back to what you said a few moments ago, I think there should be some non-negotiables, right? I think we. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a mate of mine recently, and we we're talking about how the need for football to maybe have a universal framework that everyone can agree on, right? Because fundamentally, I think there's too many. It's okay. It's great that there's so many opinions, but there needs to be something central that we can call up. You know, we can all align ourselves to, um, which in theory should be the principles of play, right? Mm. I don't know what your thoughts and what your experiences are with that, though. A framework that all coaches can agree on, not in terms of. How coaching should look, mm. but what the game, what what the, yeah, what the game is centered around, right? So I'll give you an example of that. You know, I, I, it's it's crazy. I recently heard overheard a conversation with a couple of coaches, and um, one coach asked the other coach about his his thoughts on the principles of play, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I like them, but they're not really for me." It's like, Okay. But I think that's where we've kind of ended up a little bit, right? Where people have, to some extent, been given too much freedom to have an opinion. So, so to hear, for me to hear someone say the principal played and not for me, my first question is, do they understand what the principles are playing? Do they think it's something else? I think when you hit first hear that phrase, it can sound quite daunting. Then when you break it down to what it is, it's probably... I'd say coaches will know some of them, but you necessarily haven't put them all together and called them the principles of play. For example, you want your team to go forward and score goals. Okay? If if one guy's under pressure in your team or one girl's under pressure, they need some support from their teammate. And that's that's an those those are the bases or the principles of an invasion game. Mm. So it's a strange comment, but I'd like to hear more from that person and what you know, they understood and what they thought of it because as an invasion game, you'll need those and that's regard, regardless of it as football, rugby, basketball, you know, netball. Okay, so let, let's explore that further, you know, talking about this, you know, the, the universal pieces and I guess the, okay, let's just, let's just say for argument's sake, everyone understands the principles in their own way, but fundamentally they've got the, they're, they're, uh, maybe the best way to describe it, they're, they're paraphrasing what the principles are. Yeah. All right. So everyone's paraphrasing the principles in their, in their own way. Um, but there's some things that are fact, right? I.e., this is, this might be a controversial one, but the fact is, you know, that the, the game's not multi-directional. So why do we do multi-directional practices? The game is about. Just, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The game, the game to the, some extent, is multi-directional. I mean, the, no. the, so it it. it it's, it can be. There's parts of it that are. Go on then. Well, it's not. It's it's not a straight line game. So, 
there you you'll go forward you might go from left to right you might go one corner to the opposite corner you might go in and go out right. I, I get you know, part of me because i'm sure we've had this conversation probably something similar before there are parts of multi-directional activities i like and parts i don't like but i do think the game goes in multi-directions okay so then my, 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 my question to you is this where does it always need to end up sorry where does it always need to end up though uh one end or the other that's a fact right yes that is but yeah so then if you go back to that piece and you link it back into the principles and you're paraphrasing the principles well however you want to view it it's about going back and forth yeah yeah so therefore you know the, i guess the the, the the thing that I'm alluding to more specifically is well, why are, why why do we use multi-directional practices? Are they really efficient and effective? Or are we just is this just where the player where the coaches say, well, this is my opinion, this is how the game should look? Yeah. Does that yeah, make that's, sense? That's, yeah. Okay. So uh, for for me, like I said, I'm, I'm looking at right. What 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 are some of the things that maybe we could get to as a as a collective, as a community of coaches, as as you know, as a game that we just agree on? Like, well, the game is not multi-directional. Yes, multi-directional things happen within it. Mm. But in order for the game to be considered multi-directional, then the principles go out the window. Same way I'll say to you as an example, you could do a, a passing and receiving practice, right? But if your passing and receiving practice is based on multi-directional aspects, then that's not relevant to the game because unless you're actually saying, well, no, you can go left and right in order to go forward again. Are you really practicing passing receiving in game like context? Is it relevant think, to the game? I'm not gonna disagree, but I don't know. I think you've got to you've got to find something that works for the group you're with, the team you're with at that time. So sometime right. if if you want to, you know, I've done a lot with youngsters at the moment, supporting teachers with youngsters. So then, you know, getting them to be able to move in any direction comfortably. It might need to be multi-directional for the moment. With with my team that I coach, I'm with an under 11s at the moment. So I think I've done much multi-directional. I've probably done a little bit. Again, it's not something I want to do loads loads of myself, but at times I probably I probably have done. So again, I think you've got to find and have a rationale of why you're doing it with these and what are you getting benefits out of it? Are you really getting benefits out of it? And that's something. Should probably be subjective okay, as well. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. So let, let's explore that and let's look at the benefits, right? Because this is some of the things we all. Let's go to unopposed practice as an example. All right. Uh oh. <laughs> People talk about the benefits of unopposed practice. Now, something else you said a few moments ago is, oh, you've got to find out what works for your team. Hmm. Well, how do you know it's working? And if you can identify that it's not actually representative of the game and it's not game-like not because it has some of the actions that exist within the game but the actions look like they would within the game if that makes sense it's just because i've got an exercise where i'm working on passing and receiving doesn't mean i'm working on passing and receiving within the game context yeah therefore is it relevant or is it irrelevant in my opinion it's irrelevant it can have some benefits but those benefits are not relation are not in relation to what's going to take place in the game therefore you can argue that there's an element of it working but my my challenge would always be, well, is it working right? Or is it just working? Mm. 
is it working okay or is it working at the best it could be it, it is probably another way to look at it as well so i guess if you take it from that perspective i'm going to throw the question at you if you had to actually put it in context and say well what this is this is what maybe again coaches should or could be doing to make it more realistic and more relevant more appropriate what will be some of the fundamental things that you would you would base your practices on in a passing receiving practice just generally, just generally like if you have some key principles that yeah you know the session has to involve this and we will i said you know, let's say we, let's say we were working on preparing or creating this universal framework which all coaches maybe could or should follow to get the best possible outcomes what would what would be the some of the fundamental principles that you put into play in terms of designing those practices it's a bit of a loaded question now it is and i think there's, there's a couple of different answers to it and i think i probably might be repeating myself here i'm sure i am but i think it's the context of the, who you're coaching because could do a passing and receiving if it's beginners for them to be passing backwards or forwards might be where you need to start now how long you do that and how how you challenge them to then make it more game realistic that'll be down to the individual coaching where but you need at some point and we'll need to move on from that mm. so for example something i'm encouraging with a young group i'm working with at the moment in, within the school beginners I'm getting a passing against the wall and back. Now, is that realistic? No. But is it working for them? I believe it is. And I we believe it's what best working for them. Working to do what, though, Tad? Working to Sorry? do what? Working to do what? To, to, to develop how to pass the ball initially, to how to ball striking. Control. control. I would personally, I would disagree with that. I, I know you would. I know you would. Well, we've had similar <laughs> conversations before. But I feel there's some benefit in that because. To go to the opposite end, the opposite end, I throw them into a game, and I know that's just going to be messy, and there's nothing wrong with a messy game. But then I know some of them are not going to touch the ball for the next hour of that session. So sure, how can I? But that's when you manipulate the session, right? And you might say, actually, we're going to do a game, but we're just going to maybe stick it with two players and two v two or three v three, small numbers, so they actually get more time and space on the ball, right? Because at some point, if they're all beginners, they're all going to have the same issues and. Look, yeah, I get, I get the argument for doing that passing against the wall. I get, I, I understand it, but my, my I guess, the challenge and the, and the thought that I want people to kind of really think about is, is it really working? Is it really working? If I'm passing the ball, passing the ball back and forth against the wall, because as soon as I put a player on the other end of that pass, it's changing. As soon as I put a player in between that pass. I'm not going to play in that way anymore. So what am I practicing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, but as soon as you put, okay, me and you are facing each other right now. As soon as we put something between us, we're not using that technique anymore. That's a fact. No, I agree. Yeah, no, yeah, I I agree with that. So where's the benefit? You you teach them what's next. But 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 teach them what's next. Yeah, but which that's never going to come in the first place. So. If that's never going to come, why, how can there be a next? Oh, uh, well, I think we have to disagree on that one. I tell me, if that's never going to happen, and I'm never going to play the ball as I would if against the wall, if, if a player's in the way of me. So what would that, what, what, and this might be a guess, what do you think that player would do? I'm not sure if I understand the question specifically, though. 
OK, so me, me and you, we're passing backwards and forth. Uh, player C comes along, stands in between us. Yeah. What do you think the players are going to do? It's fundamentally dependent on what player C does, right? So, yeah, player C stands literally between us. What do you think players A and B? So, player, <coughs> me and you are passing. Player comes and stands between us. Where it, you it, know it, it, it could be it could be any any one of the numerous things, right? So it could be that actually I should I take a touch and I shift it and then I strike it to you while you're moving. So now because there's a player, well, there's a lot more going on than just my just my ability to pass the ball. It's my it's my touch to set the pass. It's my it's my contact with the ball and what part of the foot I might use to get to get different outcomes. I'll give you an example. Like we can give player C is quite close to me. So, all right, brilliant. Player C is quite close to me. So what might that indicate? Well, it might, it might indicate there's a bit more space in behind. So what might I do? I might shift it and I might just, you know, I might knock it with a bit of pace. Okay, player C is a little bit further away from me and closer to you as an example. So what might I do now? Well, actually, player C is still in the way. So I might, have to, I, I might not have to necessarily shift it, but I might have to get underneath it to go over you or whatever that might look like, right? So, but there's so many variables, but fundamentally, I can't practice those variables without having the variables in front of me. Yeah, but I think you do bring in the variables at some point. So, okay, let me let's, let me let me throw this one at you then. Someone asked me the other day about about um, unimposed practice or one 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 to one kind of coaching elements, and I said, personally speaking, I think if done right, it is the highest form of coaching. One to one coaching, even unopposed work. Yeah. It's the highest form of coaching. Okay. You think if it's done right, it's the highest form of coaching. It's a form of coaching that can be very effective, but at some point that one is going to need, as you said, some kind of interference, which would be the next step to see if they can do it with the interference. Okay, but if if I start without them understanding the interference. What am I practicing? If you start without the interference, yeah. What am I practicing? You practicing I'm moving, but I, I would generally say you're practicing some some kind of technique. What technique am I am I applying? If I don't know the interference that I'm going to be dealing with, then how do I how do I know what technique I'm applying? So coming back to what I've said now, why I believe it's the highest form of coaching if done right, it's the ability of the coach to articulate the situation of that unopposed session is an example in a way where all the variables are visibly present up here right so i'll give you an example of what i mean by that uh who can i think of all right perfect example Arjen robin yeah right what's the first thing that comes to mind Left footed on the right, cutting in. Well, that's it. Yeah? Yeah. Fact. Now, it does not matter who is up against him because he has mastered that as a technique. Yes. Yeah. Fair? Well, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, just on that, because that's one of those, one of those, I, I think it's a cliche thing. If you, oh, why did they let him cut him? Why didn't they show him onto his weak foot? I'm so thinking, he's too good well, at it. But, and he's been doing it for years. If but, it was that easy, but, he wouldn't be where he is. But here's, here's a fundamental fact. It doesn't look the same every time in the build-up to him executing it. Mm. So therefore, he's adapted to the variabilities that exist within it. So as an example, Tyrone comes in, 
shuts him down, but actually he's not showing him that much space. And it's like, what's Harding Robin going to do? Sorry, what's that? So I'm not showing him space inside. So what is he okay. going to do? So what's he going to do? He, he might delay. He might drop his shoulder a little bit more. But he might have to go a little bit wider with that, mm. and then shift. Someone else gives him space inside straight away. What does he do? He doesn't need to go wide. He just shifts. Right. Point I'm making is he's done that situation so many times, and it could be done in an unopposed context. And this isn't this isn't the the, the bit that I'm talking about specifically right now, but it could be done in an unopposed context. But what he's been able to do, in my opinion, my observation is understand the subtle nuances that exist based on the player in front of him in that situation. He's already decided this is the outcome I'm going for. I need to identify the perfect time to do it. Yeah, and that comes from obviously years of training, years of practice. He's coming from knowing himself, studying maybe, not necessarily studying the player he's up against, but just seeing maybe body movements, he's recognising where their weight is, etc. None of which you can do without the player in front of you. Hence why I say if it can be done in an unopposed context, it's probably the highest form of coaching because the coach is able to articulate and help the player visualise all of those subtle nuances that exist. Possibly. (laughs) No, no, because I think, as I said, I think after so much time in a one-to-one coach, regardless of who it is, that player needs to go up against some opposition. I think you'll agree that to see, because, you know, Put no opposition against me. I could make a living in the Premier League, but you know there's another 21 <laughs> players and running around the pitch, which is my problem. But so at some point, you're going to need, you know, to put it into real life. So then, but then if if you say that, then to some extent, are we then saying, well, actually, what he's been practicing is not real life, then? No, to an extent, it is. Obviously, you start. You have to so start why do we do somewhere. It? Sorry. Why do we do it then? What? Which bit? Un- unopposed or opposed? The unopposed piece without the real life context to it. I think unopposed is the start. I mean, unopposed is the start. Interesting. Interesting. So let's, don't get me uh, wrong. Yeah. I think you can start with, if you want to go into the post straight away, I've got no problem with that too. Players will learn different things. But I feel, I feel me personally, giving a player the ball to begin with. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking in my head right now of, you know, beginners. Coming to your football the first time, they've kicked around with mum and dad or kicked around with big brother, little brother, whatever it is. They're coming into a football, you know, Saturday morning football club. They're going to want to get on the ball. And I think you could go unopposed and you go, sorry, opposed. How old were you when you started playing, Ty? Sorry? How old were you when you started playing? I'm going to say in any context. Yeah, say probably six or seven at school. What was the the context? In school, yeah? Yeah, I'm just. Can't remember the very first time I kicked the ball, but I'm going to presume it's at school. Yeah, on the playground. Probably, yeah, probably. Did you stand? Did you stand face to face with someone while they were passing the ball to you? I, I don't remember. It probably in the playground. The playground was the opposite, where you've got you know you got hundreds of kids, you got about four or five games going on. My point exactly. You weren't standing. But okay, but if you're if you at some point. That, that might work for some players. Some players it won't because they're not involved. I, I think we go back and forth all day about this. But I think <laughs> to, if you want to play football, you want to touch the ball. And if you're running around and you're not getting on the ball, you're not going to enjoy it. Same way you got you can nick it off someone and then you're going to get some touches. And then that might be a 1v1 to practice. But I feel you can give them a start on the way the way 
I think you start before that. But if someone wants to start like that, no problem. Go for it. Go fair for enough, it. Fair All right, so let me take you back then. Obviously, there's a couple of questions I asked you. So um, your perceptions on what, what, it, what it meant to be a B-licensed coach when you first embarked on that journey? You know, our perception probably was at the time where you do, you do your level one and it was your level two then, and then suddenly it was your way for B. So it just definitely had a bit more prestige about it. You then, I believe you're looking to work, obviously working in an 11 aside game, regardless of, you know, 11 aside will start under 13s, so, you know, to adult football. So again, it's, um, what's the word? You need to have a more, more depth to your library of how you coach in your sessions, bigger areas, more numbers. Even if you're coaching, you know, you know, one team, you've got 14 players. I just think it's a bit more prestigious, but you're getting into a full size game. So definitely you need to you need to be ready for that. But you need to build up a bank because you can do your small sided stuff. But then it's the book. There's another page. There's a few more pages to the book when you get to 11 aside. Mm. That's a way you know to what? put it. I just thought out loud. Because it, it, it wasn't always it wasn't always 11 v 11 from under 30s, was it? I probably no, probably no. Probably starting about. 10 years old, didn't it? So, so I'm just thinking, what, 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 was, what was the B-licensed coach doing back then, working with under nines on, on phase of plays? <laughs> so, okay, all right, cool. So a bit more prestigious. Do you think that? Do you think that's still the case? I'm unsure. Go on. I think the people to ask are the people that are trying to get on it. Is it your still, your, has your perception of it changed? My perception of it Well, as I stated earlier, I applied and I got on. You know, I must have been applied in time. But a lot of people are applying and not getting on courses now. They, you know, you see a lot of frustration out there. And I can understand it. So it's maybe it's probably more, I'd say it's probably definitely probably harder to get on it now. You're not just going to apply and get on it if you're in the first numbers. You might have to wait a little bit longer. The coaching, coaching as a vocation is getting bigger, so more people. Obviously, there's only probably so many tutors, blah 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 blah. Has my perception of it changed? No, I still think it, it should be. A, it's a prestigious award. You go, you go, you know, you go and get it. However long it takes, you'd be proud of it. Because again, I'm sure, <laughs> I like to. They're not giving out these awards, so you have to go and study and do your work on on the grass. So I, yeah, no, I still think it's a prestigious award, and if that's what people want to go go to, good luck to them, and go for it would be my instructions. Again, I don't know too much about how it's set up now, but again, hopefully you're going on and you're learning and you're taking information. You're not going just to get a certificate and move on and go out and coach. You've got, I I took pride and maybe I was fortunate in all of the qualifications I did. I had some great tutors along the way and a few I still speak to, and I I just felt it was just like eye-opening going on the courses. I did feel. I was learning, I was learning more about the game. I was being inspired by tutors. And then I went to take that and go and inspire the players I'm working with. Mm. So, yeah, I still think it's a prestigious award. Probably, again, it's probably just more difficult to get on now than it was at the time. But I do feel it added to my repertoire. And I'm glad I did it. And like I say, some of the candidates I was on the course, I still, you know, speak to now and then. So, yeah, I worked hard and I was happy to finish and pass that qualification. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I, I think definitely coaching as an industry, it's definitely blown up over the years, especially over the last decade or so in particular. Oh, most definitely. It's, it's ridiculous. Like so I think there's definitely an element of uh, 
supply and for supply and demand, right? There's always there's always going to be that element. I think definitely it probably was easier to get on courses back then, just because the demand wasn't as great. Mm. Um, so I think it, it's definitely it definitely that definitely should be recognised. Um, and obviously the other the other question I did ask you as well was that you know, what you, despite that being the case, do you feel like there's been I don't know for me I you know I've got my own opinion on this, but do you feel like there's a there's been an increase in the number of people just trying to jump from one to the other? Yes. Why do you think that is? And what's changed? Why people want to be I don't. You know what? Depending on what they're going for as an individual, you know, some people might think, you know, I get this qualification. I'm going to get an academy job. I'm going to work with this team. And suddenly I can be a full-time coach at particular high level. And, you know, that's that's what I want to do. There's so many other aspects to coaching and developing players and teams. So why are people tr potentially trying to get through the qualification quickly? I guess they, they want to get ahead. But as they say on those courses, well, I remember them saying, when I did my A licence, you know, the majority of the learning and education is done away from the course. So go out there and, for me, go out there, get your hours, get your experience. If you can get on the course, good, but are you ready and are you able to push on with it? Are you wanting to push on? So I don't know. I, I, I've answered the first part of that. Second part, I don't What was your second part to that? Well, why, do you, why do you think it has changed? I think probably because, actually, the coaching profession has got so much bigger and blown up there's so much competition so people kind of you know they want to do their bit to get ahead if they want to go and coach you know a first team whether it's a professional club or a semi-professional club having the qualifications hopefully that i'd like to they probably think looks like you know i'm knowledgeable and i'm good for whatever you know a first team job whatever level that is mm. that they're aiming for they're looking to get into they just you know they want to get up and be you know yes i'm this coach and i've done that but as I said, you, you know, I'm sure many people are tested. You've got to go and get your experience and varied experience, I think, as well. I'm going to come, come back to you, Nata. Um, did you level one in 2004? Obviously, you mentioned that, you know, you're doing the talent report stuff. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. And, you, know, you went into coach development. Um, when did when did you start delving into the idea of actually, yeah, coach development could be something I want to explore? Because for me, it it was literally on day one of my coaching journey. Mm. <laughs> uh, literally, I remember sitting there on my level one thinking, man, these guys are lucky, man. They get to teach people football. I want to do that one day. And so mm -hmm. like the seed was already planted for me from day one. Like what, what, what was that like for you? Well, it wasn't like that for me. Probably, probably when did I get the taste for it? Probably, let me think. Maybe about where are we now? Twenty twenty three. So I had one role where I worked at a secondary school who had a sort of post-16 project there so then our students there were doing the old level one they were doing like an mvq in football as well so kind of helping those guys probably where i first started and trying to you know 
by then I'd, you know, a number of years experience. So I was trying to help those guys and set them up. So that was probably the first taste of it. And then in my role now with the foundation, Chelsea Foundation, I go out and support teachers that haven't had much practical experience. When I was first, someone said, oh, you know, that's part of the role or, you know, that's something, one of the new KPIs we've got to deliver. I was thinking, well, I've never actually, you know, I don't want to say taught, but, get, you know, guided someone through. But I was thinking, well, I've got enough practical experience. person was quite complimentary. Well, I've got enough practical experience. And if I can help someone, well, why not? If, if I've got more than them, hopefully I can give them a couple of tips to help them. All right? You know, I'm not going to turn them into the next <laughs> Pep or Jose or Klopp, whoever you, you know, your favourite coach is. But if I can help them, help their children enjoy their PE sessions a bit more. So kind of develop from there and just, you know, helping. And then, you know, last couple of years, some of my friends have got into coaches, whether it's coaching sons' teams, nephews' teams, they've kind of come to me for a bit of advice and a bit of know-how. So then I've kind of, you know, helped them out and spoken to them. And generally, sometimes I've just been a conversation. So then I, I guess I think I was officially kind of doing it. Before I was an official coach developer, I was working with new coaches anyway. So I thought, you know what, why, you know, jobs came out, I thought, well, why not go for it? I've seen people do it. I know plenty of people that have done it before. And I've been inspired. My coaches have actually, the coach developers previously, which is called tutors, have inspired me. So, you know, if I could give a little bit back in official capacity and then obviously learn how to do it more methodic, methodic you know, I'm trying to say methodically, you know, um, why not? So that is something I've been doing. So, yeah, it's only probably, probably the last, probably about two years ago, you know, fully into it. But it's probably something I've been doing for a while unofficially maybe it's more maybe a bit of a mentoring role but again it's all been unofficially because you know Listen, if you can if I can yes. help someone I can develop someone I can yeah you know why not you know what I read a book earlier just a quick sort of side story I read a book earlier this year Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek and in yeah. one of the first paragraph or f- first pages or first chapters he finishes it by saying be the leader you wish you had and that has really stuck with me so I think so another side story to talking to a, um, a YCD early on this year. I was thinking when I was growing up and I was playing football, I didn't really feel I had a coach or a leader in that in that field. That really helped me. I played and I had some coaches, but generally people's dads, and I don't think there's many coaches, coach yeah. courses out there at the time. So I was just playing. I don't think, I'm looking back, no disrespect, probably only, I'd say, one inspired me. That was more true belief. I don't remember having any real massive sessions. that I think, oh, you did a really good session. But just through a motivational. But then, so I thought, you know, if I can help others and inspire others, you know, I'm helping to grow, doing my little bit to grow the yeah. game. So, yeah, you've taken my mind in a few different directions in the last couple of minutes, right? And I'm just trying to think, right, where, where do I pinpoint first? So I, I want to start. Let's talk about the coach development aspect of things. Um, you talked about doing it in an unofficial capacity, very much in a mentoring capacity, right? Because it's more just the guidance. Um, you also use the word that I'm learning how to do it more methodically. You, you know that you use that phrase. Do you feel there's a different skill set completely in terms of being a coach and then being a coach developer? What, what are your thoughts on that as a question? I wouldn't say there's necessarily a different skill set because you're going from helping players on the grass to doing a bit with maybe people in the classroom or on, online. Obviously, coach runners go out and watch them in the field and they'll do some sessions within a course. I don't think it, the skill set was too different. Mm. Um, but there were some different attitudes and how you talk to those coaches and how 
because on a course, obviously, the coaches all coming from different backgrounds. Some might be coaching, you know, the under eight. Some might be doing an under 18 team. Some might have literally been doing it for a year. Some might have been doing it, you know, 10 years, just haven't done any official courses kind of thing. So there's, there's some slight differences, but not hugely. I've never thought that? of that, so this is off the, that was off the top of my head. I haven't thought about that too deeply before. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking, you know, whether whether it takes a different type of individual to actually be a coach developer and not just that one of someone who's, who's got some experience on the pitch with players. Um, but before I lose the trail of thought, you said something else quite interesting. It's been it's been a hot topic of conversation for me and a lot of the players that I work with and, and support. You mentioned there that you didn't really have many coaches that you felt helped you. Maybe one that you can think of that probably inspired you. Um, so a lot of the players I'm, I'm supporting and working with at the moment are kind of around that 15, 16 kind of age range. And, you know, it's both in the male game and the female game. And it's quite a pivotal age for those players, um, especially those that are, if you would like, considered to be on a high performance pathway. A very pivotal age and a quite, quite, quite a crucial one to the point where some of them making decisions about where to go, some of them making decisions about what's the best choice for them in terms of environment. Um, but one thing that seemed to consistently come back um, amongst all the observations and conversations and thoughts that they have are, oh, well, I've been offered a place here or I'm going to go here. Okay, well, why are you going to go there? Oh, because I know the coach, Tyrone. Tyrone's the coach. I know, you know I, I, I like playing with Tyrone. So the challenge that I've started to throw at them, and it's in line with what you what you've kind of said and kind of maybe delves into that a little bit, is is the relationship with the coach good enough reason to go somewhere, or is the challenge of actually has this coach actually helped me develop? Has this coach actually been able to teach me anything? And I, and I'll tell you where where that comes from because fundamentally, whether we exist as coaches or not players are always going to be good there's always going to be good players the cream will always rise to the top right so to some extent you could argue that we're not even needed because you're always going to get there's always going to be people that are top of their game however obviously there's a place for coaching and there's a benefit to having a coach but is the benefit of having a positive relation enough to say this coach is the benefit does that make sense or it, it or, or should Really, the challenge I'm putting on the players, and it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this, is has Tyrone taught you anything? Has Tyrone actually helped you develop? Yes, I get that Tyrone's got a good relationship with you. You like playing for Tyrone. You enjoy it. Is that a good enough reason to pick Tyrone's environment is the question I'm asking. I'm not saying this. I don't know the answer. It's, 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 yeah, no, no, it's that's an interesting one because, like I said, it can be someone you have a good relationship with. And is it just, you know, it's a good relationship, you respect that person. But there is a question, has that person, has they helped you to improve? Mm. And that, that's, 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 that's a question. That's a question. Right? But that's is it, but also, you know, you'll get even, <laughs> one that springs to mind is just, well, Jermaine Defoe, for example, this is a podcast recently, and he said, oh, I love playing for Harry Redknapp. I don't know, now Harry Redknapp took him a few places. Did Harry make him a better player? I'd like to think 
so. Obviously, no, uh, obviously Harry and the coaching team around him. Harry, like I know him, <laughs> Red Lap and the team around him. When you say obviously had talent in anyway, but something Red Knapp must have done has brought the best out of him. So that's why he felt comfortable going and playing for him each time. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking, obviously, I'm going to have that conversation with Eva. But he must have felt he could play his best under him. OK. I, I, I don't, again, I'm, that's a, a yeah. guess as well. I, I get that. But then, like I said, these, these are the challenges I'm throwing to the players at this pivotal age, in my, in, my, in my opinion, of their journeys, right? Let's use that example. Your mate, Harry. Was it really him that got it out of Defoe? Or did it just happen to coincide at a time when Defoe was going to do these things anyway? And Harry was the, the figure at the head of it, if you like. Therefore, you know what? from the player's mind, their player's perception is, well, it's, yeah, it's got something to do with Harry, but actually ain't got shit to do with Harry. I think, I think there's a small percentage... Yeah, yeah, but I, I, in that example, I'm sure there's, well, like, I don't want to use that example anymore, but in, I think there's got to be some example where the play, coach, well, I'd like to think, oh, sorry, I'm losing my chain of thought. The coach has got to do something for the player, but in the example you're giving about young players, I'm going to go and play for this coach because I've got a good relationship. For me, that player has to actually look, is that the right team for him as well? The players in the team, the level of the player, the style of football they're playing, you know, you, you know, how, Cutthroat is because I'm sure the coach won't play him because you know they've got a good relationship. The coach would have liked to have a good relationship with all you know, 20 players in his squad, whether he does or not. But the coach will want to play the best players to get the results to help himself, help the players, help himself, help help the team. So it's a, it's a yeah, it's definitely a conversation worth having. And like you say, the good players will shine regardless of who the coach is. But I do think a good coach should be able to bring a bit more out of that player. That's, I think I would like to think so, yeah. But, but and this is this is I guess this is where the conversation goes to, right? Because that, the, the question I'm really asking these players is: Is it a good relationship or is it a good coach? Yeah. Are they one and the same, or are they two completely different things? Because mm. for me, and I, th- I think this is you know, especially for those bright players, the ones who are you know just rising to the top, regardless. I don't think there's enough support and guidance for them around that challenge of actually, am I getting better here? Mm. Or am I just enjoying playing? And is enjoying yeah. playing good enough? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it enough? You, I don't know. Yeah, if you're going to, you know, if you've got players that are aspiring to, you know, the highest level they can, yeah, am I just enjoying playing? And, you know, I like the coach, but actually, am I getting better? And it, but if, this, this is part of the, tri- the challenge for them as well, right? Because like I said, if, let's just say I've played for you for the last three years. I'm 12 going on 15. Three years I've played for Tyrone. Oh, I've been playing football, so I'm almost guaranteed to be getting better in some capacity. But just because you've been my coach in those three years, I've now said, oh yeah, Tyrone's the reason I got better. But actually, you know, you've just been playing games. You've just been racking up your minutes. Yeah, so, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, of course. It's, it's an interesting one. I think it's an interesting one to have with coaches, sorry, players, players and coaches. Gets players to think about, you know, you know, is that coach man or woman? Is that person, that coach, making you a better player, or is it like you say because you're turning up a training each week? How much is you know the coach down the road? Is he going to actually bring he, him or her bring more out of you? Yeah, because you know, it's interesting because some of the some of the you know the um, 
the feedback or the responses to that question have been, uh, you know, it, it, it makes me work hard or she makes me work hard or, you know, and I, I, I just throw the question back then. Did it really? Or is that, is that just a, is that, is that a trait of your character? Some players are just going to work hard. They just happen to be working hard in an environment where Tara is in charge. Tara and it made me work hard. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's sending my brain in a few different directions now. Because I remember a coach saying once, you shouldn't have to motivate the players. You shouldn't have to, the coach shouldn't have to make the players work hard. Yes, sometimes a coach can drive a session, but more often than not, surely you, the players should want to work and drive the session. And you have players that do. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, like say, regardless of the coach, they're going to turn up and they're going to be, be on it. I have a belief, right, that there's many things that a coach can do for a player. But one thing they can't do is make them want it. Yeah, the one yeah, thing no. they cannot do is make them want it. Yeah. They can help build confidence. They can push them. They can support them. They can guide them. They can take the, the was it the old saying, take the donkey to the water, but you can't make him drink it. Mm. I don't, I, I genuinely believe that there's, that's the one thing that a coach cannot do for an individual and that's make them want it. Yeah, no, that's fair. So then, it's hard work, something that can be taught then. Do you motivate someone to work hard or do you inspire them to? And if you're inspiring them to, it was already there. Maybe, I don't know. Potentially, but I suppose different coaches can bring different things, different things out of big players as well, can't they? You know, I mean, you could probably think of an example in, say, professional football, but hasn't worked for a player here, but it's worked for a player there. Is that down to the coach, down to the environment? It can be down to... Yeah, there's so many variables, right? Still there? Back here. Yeah, 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 got you back. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think there is is so many variables, and I think it's it's an interesting one. Um, Definitely, definitely, definitely one for me to, you know, continue thinking about, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you know me, Ty, like, I've got a bit of a curious mind, so I'm always thinking outside the box. Um, But let's, let's come back to you. Um, Coach, coach developer, um, what's been for you? The biggest learnings in your journey like you know if you go back and you know what is it let's start with the coach development piece what is coach how does how has coach development maybe supported and developed you in your coaching so repeat that for me yeah how was how was how was your coach development experiences actually helped you develop your own coaching oh, okay you know what it's taken me back to me as well just with my current team under 11s i'm working with at the moment Making sure, don't say simplify the things, but I'm not overcomplicating it, you know. Um, I want them to work on all sorts of things individually as a team, but I don't want to overcomplicate sessions. I want goals in the sessions. I want them attacking and defending. Even if you're an attacking topic, you know, I mean, we switch off from the defending, you know. So I definitely think, I think at the moment what I'm finding regardless of the topic you can have a topic in mind and i remember who was it that said this was it i think it was peter taylor I went to the session saw peter taylor 
and he was saying, just coach what you see. You can have a topic, but you got to coach what you see. Because I don't like, you know, the defending drill worked well. It kind of worked well. Did a bit in the game and it came out. It was work. But we did an attacking topic. The team ain't got the ball. I still expect you to do last week's defending. Don't just forget about that and, you know, go off. So I think it's definitely helped me simplify things, make sure the core message that I'm trying to give to the learners I'm working with and my, making sure I'm taking the money as well. And I'm, it, can I, in, what's the word, articulate them to my players as well. So it's probably made me simplify things, simplify things, I guess would be the easiest thing, make sure I'm not overcomplicating it, I'm not doing it for the cosmetics look to it. I'm got rationale but I think I'll do that anyway so yeah I think I'm ticking that box at the moment it's something I try and remind myself of. Awesome and you know something you've referred to throughout this conversation is about the coach developers or educators that you've had that have inspired you what 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 has that been what what, what did they do to inspire you in that process? They made the they made the courses the courses were fun they were educational I wanted to come back if I did, you know, if the course was, you know, <laughs> the course is that day, I think back. For that, sorry, let's go back to my level one. I said it's three Saturdays. I'd have gone back every Saturday. If they said, you know, if you know, you got, even when you signed off and they said, right, we're doing something next Saturday, I'd have gone back and just get planning. And, and they've wanted me, it, you know, just to keep going. Like you want your players to come back. They maybe want to go back and do the next bit and do the next step. So they're just they're good people. And I think, again, Coach developers are busy people, and some have said, you know, oh, if you're stuck or if you need something, give us a call or you need to arrange something and we'll meet up and blah, blah. There's been plenty that haven't got back to me, but I've got a few that have come back to me in the language that come back to me. 24 hours, I've got a message back, and it, oh, good night, is it? One person I'm going to shout out now, because I haven't, you know, named anyone, but we'll, we'll shout out now, is um, God rest his soul, is John Gittins. So he was one of the tutors on my A license. And then when we had to in situ, I was allocated someone that was actually allocated as my coach. Oh, that guy was that guy was a ghost. Never met that guy. Heard from him once. Not interested. And then John, I think I even bumped into John. He asked me where I was at, and he's like, "Okay, I'll come out. Let me come out and see you." Came out and saw me. Give me some critique. And then before I even got back to him, I got a message. I need to come and see you again. Come on, what's going on? Blah blah. blah. So no, and, and he was one of the. Probably, it's probably actually the second black uh, tutor I had as well at the time. So, what do you think? So let's let's talk about it really quickly. What what, what did that do for you? That was inspirational. Go Because again, and he was he was a player as well, and you know he didn't just jump into a coach education a coach educator role. He worked with teams, professional, semi-professional. Worked in, worked with girls, and he worked his way up, and then became you know. A, Coach develop, coach shoot, or whatever you do. So it was good to see someone again look like me was then teach. It was teaching people. So yeah, yeah, I've had some good ones, but John Gittins was one owner. I'd, I'd shout out. I'd probably shout out a few more before the end, but yeah, that was someone that has helped. So yeah, and again, gone out of his way to support me on my journey. He didn't have to. Again, I wasn't one of his learners that he had to support, but where I was struggling with the other person. He just stepped up and again, he, and what was impressive, he wasn't local to me. He wasn't local to where I was coaching, but, you know, he came out of his way to support me. So, no, massive respect. So, yeah. I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, I don't know what your, I don't know what your experience has been like, but 
you know, there is a lot of discussion at the moment, a lot of conversation right now, um, especially around the lack of representation across different diverse communities within coaching and coach education alike, right? Um, I never knew there was an issue until like four or five years into my journey. Mm-hmm. I just never recognised there was an issue because I just never had a situation where I, I, I felt like here yeah, there was an issue. Here. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting because uh, maybe because I grew up in a diverse community. So mm-hmm. all the coaches I knew were diverse anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it could, be, it, could, it could be a generational thing, could be an age thing. Obviously, like you said, you know, coaching has just blown up over the last 10, 15 years. And that was around the time I kind of got into it in the first place. Um, obviously within that I think one thing's for certain is definitely the maybe the average age of a coach is getting younger and younger as we go um, so you know, what, what's, what's your experience been like that in terms, in terms of the whole diversity piece and some of the challenges that maybe even well, if you haven't experienced it yourself that maybe you know others have experienced as a result of it well from when I started my level one I think there's always been that case Brainers, you know, in the nose and anyone's face, they're at professional level, there hasn't been a black or brown face in, you know, senior football. In and that's not just the managers, that's the backroom staff, you know, that could be physios. There just hasn't been. But I remember when I was doing excuse me, when I was going to those sessions at Highbury with the London FA, and there were, I don't know, there's always you know, around probably between 30 and 60 coaches, sometimes even more. I would say of those sessions, I'm going to say at least, I'd say more than half, there were black coaches or uh, mixed race coaches or Asian coaches were in, coming into those, you know, those monthly sessions. So at, at a certain level, there is a great diversity among coaches and that's male and female, but then as you go, as you go further up, not so much. It's an it's an interesting one, right? Because it's um, it's I, I think sometimes we take it for granted in London as well, don't we? How yeah, diverse it is, like mm. you come well, out of London. I don't think we granted. I would say it is it's it's just the norm. <laughs> so you don't think it's you're not taking it for granted. You're not not taking it for granted. It's just it's just the norm. The diversity is the norm. Mm. interesting because yeah I, I, I just want i think one of the most um memorable experiences for me as, as a coach developer and i think it's just it is it, it, like you said right it's, it's someone that looks like you is is the first thing you see it's the only thing you can see until you get to know the person and whatever right? it's the first it's the first impression i remember you know straight away it's similar to how you've described it as being inspirational now, I don't know whether this is the word they would use to describe it, but I remember coming in uh, to deliver a course um, and walking to the room, and there's these two clearly Asian guys sitting in the room, and their eyes absolutely beamed <laughs> when they saw me walk through that door, and I, I, I got, I got it, I understood it. Um, I think it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, my journey has been so different in the sense that 
whether I had someone that looked like me or not, it wouldn't have made a difference. I'm still going to work hard and still going to be inspired to do what I want to do, right? But I think I think that in itself made me almost take for granted how much of an influence that that role model could be. Mm. Um, and that 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 one experience always stuck with me. Where it's the it's the little things, right? Just making. I think I think there must have been an issue. One of them, one of the coaches on that course, they had an issue that. Straight away, that connection, they felt the connection was there because they came and approached me with it rather than my colleague. And it was just little things like that. It, it, it just it made me appreciate just how important that diversity piece was because I felt like, I don't know if that, if that coach would have had that conversation with my colleague. Hmm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it does. So it's kind of, that, that, that's one experience that's always stuck with me. So, you know, I'm just conscious of time as well. And I'm, I'm really interested to kind of know how did the talent ID stuff come into play? What 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 does that look like for you? You know, what is talent identification? Okay, so talent ID started for me. Well, this, this word officially started for me. So two seasons ago now, I was on the FA's mentee development program. So one of the Parts of that was doing some talent ID and doing the level one and the level two certificate. So that's where I officially became qualified. I say talent ID, any football coach, you're obviously watching lots of games, you know, obviously on your TV, but we're amongst your league, watching kids football. You think, oh, he or she, oh, they've got a player, they've got a little bit, blah, blah, blah. So then I took it and I found it quite interesting. And then an opportunity came up within the mentee development program to join the London and the South East area. They were having some talent ID events. So spoke to spoke to the people that were leading that. And, and you know, they said, yeah, invite us down, come and have a look, see what we do. I kind of enjoyed it. They were running sessions. They were looking at, this was on the female side. So they were looking at potential, this is discovering my talent for those that may or may not know is the program that they're looking to reach out as far and wide as they can. So anyone that potentially could be a future lioness is being seen. So whether they were playing in an elite environment, they're playing grassroots or they're, you know, they're, you know, deepest, darkest depths of the country they could be seen. So events and players could go along. So that's when I got kind of a bit more of a taste for it. So after that season, I spoke to that guy and said, look, I really enjoyed those events. Again, then I was only kind of observing. But I said, if you need any further help, I'd, you know, I'd be interested. And then literally just by chance, a couple of months later, he goes, would you still be interested? We've got kind of some openings have been restructured. It's getting bigger on the female side. Would you come down? So I've gone down to that. And then with the programme, they have what they call registration periods where if somebody sees a particular player, they can be recommended, recommended by, you know, current coach, school teacher, um, parent, anyone recommended. They get invited down. And then once they think we've got, you know, a bit of potential, They'll get talent reporters to go out and see a bit more and try and build up a bit of a picture of that person. And then, as I say, as I say looking for people that could be potential lionesses. It's quite interesting because obviously there's, there's, a, there's a big boom right now around female football, which is brilliant. It's great to see. And, you know, some of the players I'm working with, I can see firsthand, the, you know, the impact and the influence has had on their personal experiences and their lives, in fact. Um, I'm interested to know a couple of things. From a talent, from a talent ID standpoint, and this may be this may be biased, maybe conscious, unconscious, or whatever, whatever we want to go to with it. Do you 
take in some different considerations or what do you what do you can you know do you do you look at i guess i don't know you can correct me if i'm wrong in, the, in using the word but profiling a female player versus that of a male player do you, do you look at it through a different lens in, in any way shape or form what when i'm looking at players yeah no i don't think i do no do you think we should It's not about wrong. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think it's, it's a yes or no because if you go into the dynamics, obviously, take the obvious. Obviously, men's men's and women's football is different. Obviously, the strength and the speed of the game, but they're trying to do the same thing, aren't they? So there obviously some differences, mm. but I think, for example, so on the Discover My Talent, they've got the characteristics they're looking for in potential future lionesses mm. now if i've read those you know, five or six things on and off the ball that they're looking for there's no reason if i wasn't working doing it on the male side you could be looking for those same things in a male player so okay and i i get that i guess what i'm more interested to kind of figure out and, and think about here is could look at those things would those be the things that you look at? Again, I don't know the answer. There's no right or wrong. Yeah, right? no, I, I think so. I think so, yeah. So what are those characteristics? Um, exciting on the ball. Agile. Loves to defend. Testing me here. There's goalkeeping ones as well. Creative, exciting, stays on the ball, masters the balls, all those kind of words and phrases I'm sure you've heard before. Loves to learn, loves to win. Um, yeah, there's a few others, but that's kind of the basis of those. Okay. See, it's interesting. The reason why I'm asking you this question is, it's, again, there's no right or wrong answers, but we're all, all going to have different perceptions, different views and opinions on this. Um, but what I think... Over the last maybe 18 months, two years, I've been supporting a lot of coaches who work in the female game at different levels. And a lot, actually, let me, let me get your thoughts on this. In the, in the female game, do you think there's enough accountability? And what I mean by that, let me give you something, let me expand on that because it sounds a bit vague. Um, enough accountability or enough of coaches challenging the players. And what I mean by that is, in a sense, because there is this buzz of trying to grow the female game and get more girls playing football, which I think is brilliant. That maybe the priority and the focus is much more around, oh, let's just make sure they're enjoying it. Do you, think, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? 
again, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure because it's yeah, good they're enjoying it, but similarly, when they're playing football, this could be regard, regardless of age now, you'll get players that do want to come and enjoy it and participate, mm. and you'll get players that want to win. And they might not get it done necessarily be the best player or playing for their best team. They turn up on Sunday or Saturday, whenever their games are, I'm sure they want to go and win. And if they're not winning, I'm sure the players out there are going to work, want to work a bit harder and learn, learn and develop and grow so they can be a better player and go out and win. And now I think with how, you know, as you say, the boom over the last 18 months, two years, there was a scene that there actually is, there is a more of a, well, there's a, there's a career available. Mm. So as a 10-year-old girl playing football now, as a 10-year-old girl playing football now, she can aspire to be a professional footballer. That she, might, she may or may not get there, but she might be semi-pro. Well, she might just play a lot longer, you know, in a career and still play Sunday League at whatever level that, you know, so desires or works for them. So accountability or... No, I think there's... I still think there's a, no, there's a big passion out there for girls to go and play and I just yeah there's more seeing they could do it so they want to go and have a have a go the reason I asked that and it could be just the experience I've had with the individuals that I've supported and the things that I've observed um, is I feel like some of the things that players are doing if they were boys they'd probably get called up on it Okay. They probably, they probably is, is that down to the coach, though? Could that be down to the coach? If it was one individual that I was referring to and I've observed them, possibly, yeah. But I think it, okay. it's, it's a consistent observation I've made. It's almost like... I don't know how else to kind of articulate other than say I think there's more excuses made when things aren't going well. Okay. There's more allowances. Maybe. I don't know if you've experienced something similar in your I, No, I, I can't. I can't say I have. I've worked in with some elite young players. I've worked in grassroots, and I've worked with and senior female football, and I've worked uh, not the highest level, but senior female football at various levels. And no, I mean I can only say that's down to those coaches. Would I? Give the girls more leeway if I was coaching a women's team now. No, I'd want them to be working at their maximum and being the best that they can. You know, if they make a mistake, it happens. If I see the same mistake done a few times, then you know, I try and address it and help that player. But I can only speak, yeah, in this example, I'm speaking strictly from my point of view. I don't think I'd have any different levels of where I'd expect the team to be. Or expiring to be to the, of their ability, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Actually, no, right. It's just interesting to get your thoughts on it. I think it is some of the observations that I've, I've had working with coaches in that space. Um, like you quite rightly said, it could be just down to the coaches involved. Mm. But also, and also, are they in a, the player. Yeah, I think it's down to the coaches. Are they just playing again? They might the coaches might be just there because they want to facilitate a team and do a bit of coaching. I don't. I don't yeah, I think it's down to them. Are they to push themselves or do they know how to, you know, support that player in the right way? 
Yeah, that's yeah. So it's a, it's a difficult one without seeing it for myself. But coaches that I've worked with in the female game, and this is male and female coaches. No, I, I wouldn't. I I don't think so. So in terms of your talent ID stuff, how does that influence in you in any way, shape, or form in your coaching? Because you know, the more the more I started having conversations about talent ID and you know, one of the biggest things that you, you talk about when you talk about identifying talent um, is how to spot potential. Right? It's an interesting conversation because for me, I'm always thinking, well, and this is the challenge I put on coaches, and it, 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 you know, I like to throw a few, a few grenades in here at their time. The question I always ask you, and that's the question I've started asking coaches is, um, how are you basing your, no, what are you basing your judgment of potential on? Is it the potential based on what you believe the player can achieve? Or is it subconsciously through the lens of where you think you can, where you as the individual coach can get that player to? What are your thoughts on that? It makes me go back to the statement you said a little while ago about, I can't remember how you phrased it, but it was one about the player's got to want it. Now, I think one of those things that frustrates me and coach ID, uh, uh, coach, sorry, player ID or talent ID, excuse me, is we can go along and watch a game and think, oh, yeah, that player, or, you know, there's, there's a couple of standout players and people go, oh, that's the one or that's the one. I'm thinking, well, a lot of times, it's maybe at grassroots, I'm thinking of, well, you could probably see the standout players, anyone, but I think, is there someone else? And this is my discovered talent, well, sorry, my discover my talent thing as well, is actually, who else that maybe might not be the standout player, but as you say, actually, you can see something in them that you think actually is a bit more to that player. I think sometimes you can see the point of standout. I think the talent that whispers, that's the phrase I wanted to drop in, right. which is not my phrase. Is that, is I, that then back into the cycle of the cream that rises to the top? Yeah, I guess it does. Well, you, yes and no, because I think some players might need that little bit of extra guidance. That might be that extra time. And I but think that, it's but about... Uh, yeah, but, and I get and I get where you're coming from, but like I said, the, the, the challenge I'm putting on coaches when they're thinking about this, just because, like I said, I like to throw grenades in there, right? Um, getting them really thinking, and it's um, like I said, if we know that 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 cream is going to rise to the top, is that what we're basing our potential on, or are we basing our potential on actually? Tyrone's here; he's a raw talent who's never been coached, but he's got potential because I can see he's got his athletic ability, or whatever it might be. He's got all those characteristics that he talks about actually i'm not sure if tyrone can can get there because subconsciously i'm thinking i don't know if i've got what it takes to get it out of Tyrone. but that's not something i want to i, I want to admit and say out loud so i'm just gonna say that no, tyrone's not ready you know what i don't think i don't think a lot of coaches some coaches might think I don't think a lot of coaches would think, oh, I can't get it out. I think most coaches have probably got a bit of, you know, no, I can bring that out of some players. 
Because mm. I, I can think of coaches, as you say, they might have been working with a very good player for a number of years, but are they take do they take some credit for that player? Or as you say, that was just a good player. And, you know, X, Y, Z could have worked with her and, or him and they've progressed. So I do but think coaches add something just, to it, but it's how, how, how do they measure that? I don't, I yeah, don't know. Well, you get some coaches out there, you know, who say, oh, I, I produced this player, I produced that player. Yeah, but what about all the ones you didn't produce? So I bet you there's a lot more <laughs> of them, isn't there? So if you could produce, if you could, if you could be the reason that a Cristiano Ronaldo was produced or a Lionel Messi was produced, Surely you've got the capacity to produce anyone. <laughs> yeah, produce a few more of them. <laughs> but if you haven't, then, you know, did you really produce them? Or did you just happen to be there at a coincidental time? Mm. I don't know. It's, it's just, like I said, it's just a thought to consider. Yeah, right? it's just a good yeah. <laughs> but, you know, coaches hopefully are working with players and they are helping them develop. And some, you know, like I say, will just go on and get it. Some won't or some will just you know need a bit extra push and as a, again just going very, very, I know it's very genetic so actually I'll just stop there it's very genetic something in what you've just said there's just made me think about something else I've been discussing with people recently how do you know it's working how do you know the coaching's working it's a great question that's why I think you need to see something over a period of time Maybe they say a particular player is working on a particular skill or technique for something in the game. You need to see that over a period of time. You probably maybe might need some um, analysis. So, you know, you know, you remember one thing, but actually happens slightly differently. So and then you want to see it against different opposition. Because, you know, it might have been great one week, not so great the other. But again, it might be actually, you know, the planet, their direct 1v1 in the next week is a lot better. So they're not allowing them. But the person they played the week before actually allowed them to perform better so something you need to see consistently over a period of time different opposition but be able to maybe get some analysis to go back and revisit it i think it's an interesting question because i think you know how do you know it's working because there's so many so many variables that exist within it right Mm. and i I think the, the the most common example i often discuss with coaches is the idea of why well, yeah, my team's excellent, I play that from the back. Oh, really? The opposition play a load block every time. So, did you really play out from the back? Yeah. Or did the ball just come from the back and it was, it wasn't really playing out from there? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. You know, but then, no, but then on game 11, game 11 of your season, where, where the first 10 teams have played a load block, you get a team that plays a higher block and you, you absolutely shit yourself. What happened to all that excellent playing up from the back that you had going on? So I think I think I think it's just kind of a, maybe more of a, a, a thought for coaches to think about in terms of how many of the variables are you actually looking at? What are the variables that actually have an influence in your, your, your team's ability to perform? Yeah, man. I'm conscious of time. No worries. I've got one question for you. Go for it. Final question. You've had a long journey so far, long may it continue. Um, I've really enjoyed time since we've met and the conversations we've had and some, some really good stuff has come off the back of it. Um, and some stuff that's really made me think at times as well, which is which is always, always a welcomed. My question to you is, knowing what you know now, 20 odd years on, almost, if you could go back, 
and speak to Tyrone at the start of his journey, what are some of the key things that you'd want to know back or that you think would just transform your coaching back then? So that's like a $64 million question, that one, isn't it? <laughs> if I could, so if I go back now and speak to the it could be a yeah. couple of things that you think like you've picked up over time and you think, do you know what? I wish I knew this earlier. Or well, that, 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 that bit, that moment there, it's not about necessarily wishing you knew it earlier, but that bit there has just revolutionized what I do. have an answer for that because it's a deep one but it's like your coaching journey or my coaching journey's taken me in a few different directions I think it's taking it's opportunities that come along as opportunities that don't come along and some that work, some that don't work. So it's, I don't, again, I, I don't really probably have a an articulate answer for that one. Doesn't have to be articulate. What, it's just something that transform you want to my coaching. You know, no, what's transformed my coaching without doing is going on those courses, but also doing CPD outside of them courses, going and doing my own learning along the way. And some have been other FA courses or reading books, magazines. Um, and then doing some okay. other right. sports bits well, outside of it. Let me for a second in the time. Maybe, let's, let's use that then, yeah? And just delve deeper into that very quickly. Because coaches talk about going on CPD. Coaches talking about, you know, going out and getting more knowledge and experience. What have been the most impactful and influential CPDs for you then? What, what was it that specifically that you thought, yeah, do you know what? That CPD really helped. Or that CPD, what, what, what would it, so if there was a coach listening to this now, or Tyrone was listening to this now, back to the future, what would be the CPD? You say, do you know what? Actually, spend more time researching that. Spend more time looking at developing your understanding of that. What would those areas be? You know what? Part of that, part of that for me, would be about how you interact with people and how you lead a group, how you get people to buy in, or you. So it's probably about creating the environment. I do read a lot, and I've read a lot of books um, about you know, creating an environment, culture, all that kind of thing, which a lot of people read. But there's been some real good books that have made me think, oh, okay, I need to be aware of that. I need to try that. So I'd say it's probably some of the reading I've done as well. Outside the courses, I'd say a lot of the reading, because again, a lot of the courses you do, it's what you, it's, you can do the course, but what I'm actually taking away and go and put it on the grass. And I was someone that tried to go and do it straight away, go and make noise. I'm not just doing the course to get through the course. I want to you know, I wrote down a session. If I wrote down a session in my logbook, I went and done that session. That that was me. So, but I'd say just about get your environment right, get your people work, and don't be frightened to ask for some help. Find someone that's more experienced with from you and go and learn from them. So another coach, a shout out would be Keith Harms when I worked with the Chelsea. When it, then it was Centre of Excellence. I hadn't done any courses for a while. And I'd been anything that I coaching I had done, I'd generally been the lead or been doing it by myself. And then I spent two seasons working with Keith Harms and he was the lead coach and I was the assistant coach. And that was an education in itself. So learn, learn from other people around and don't sort people will help you. 
it's going to be someone in more experience with you. They won't mind. And kind of, you know, conversations with people. So, yeah, that would, I'd say that's big. That's some coaching advice I would offer. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you very much. No, it's really been good. Really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're always having good conversations, me and you, man. I really enjoy it. Um, definitely giving me some more grenades to think about. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. No, no, it's, it's been a pleasure. Like I say, we've had plenty of coaching conversations along the way. I'm sure we will have some more. But um, no, no, it's, it's always nice to chat football. So thank you for your time. Awesome. Cheers for that, sir. All right. See you later. Well, there you have it guys another episode of the coaches network podcast where our aim is to bring the world of athlete talent and personal development together to just one platform and you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of you can tag us in those mentions as well on instagram at the coaches network or on twitter at the coaches net we look forward to hearing from you let us know what you thought about today's episode and until next time guys take care Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.